Extraordinary Moms podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons that they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent in the same way, and we should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast today, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 38 of the Extraordinary Moms podcast. It's Jessica, and I am so very glad to welcome Natalie Hickson to the show today. Natalie is an extraordinary mom who has not always felt so extraordinary as she has struggled with destructive anger as part of her motherhood story. I think we can all relate to raising our voices and losing our temper a little more than we would like. But the important thing is that we address those areas of our motherhood that are not working for us, that are not serving us, and can really cause long-term harmful effects on our kids. And when we're self-aware enough to realize, hey, this is not working, this is not who I want to be, this is not what I want to model for my kids, we can do so much more good for our children, right? And for ourselves. We are happier moms when we're not living with a short fuse. And Natalie has experienced that and now she coaches other moms on helping them to curb their anger, to find new ways to communicate with their kids effectively, and to really change the culture in their home. It's a fantastic conversation and I'm so excited for you to get to know Natalie today. So let's get to it with Natalie Hickson. All right, I am so excited to be chatting with Natalie Hickson today. Hi, Natalie. Hello. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Where am I speaking to you from today? I am in Bozeman, Montana. Oh, I think you might be my first Montana person. Are you from there? I am, yep, born and raised. Awesome, that's amazing. Is it a small town? What's Bozeman like? So Bozeman is growing rapidly right now. I actually couldn't tell you how big it is. I probably should know that, but (laughs) (laughs) it's a pretty big town. Um, We're not the biggest in the state, but I have a feeling we're headed that direction. So, yeah, we're not in one of those little podunk um, <laughs> towns, like, with one street sign or... <laughs> yeah. We're pretty pretty big college town, yeah. It's okay. beautiful. And we're in between two major ski resorts, so it's awesome in the winter. Beautiful. Well, and especially if you grew up there, too. It's like, if that's your norm, then, mm-hmm. you know, probably if it is has grown since you've lived there and everything, you're like, wow, it's thriving metropolis here, right? It's just like all relative, right? Yeah, that's so awesome. Well, I am really excited to chat with you about a topic that I feel like a lot of women carry a lot of shame around. Um, And it just doesn't need to be that way because we all struggle with different things. But I hear from a lot of women, myself included, I call myself a recovering yeller um, because I knew and know that I don't want to be a mom who yells and gets really angry at my kids, but that became kind of a reflexive response that I was not expecting when I became a mom. And so you help women to deal with their their anger, and we're going to talk about how to help our kids with anger and things like that. So I'm really excited to tackle this topic today, but for people that don't know you yet, Natalie, will you just give a little info on your background? Yeah, sure. So I am a certified professional life coach. And when I started coaching, I didn't know that I would actually get into working through anger and burnout. I actually thought I would just be one of those who's like, you know, I'm going to help people organize and and feel like their life is is good and they're on track and not overwhelmed. 
but one thing led to another and God just led me into this space of, you know, I want you to help women with the, the story that you have, your past, what you've worked through. And so it just kind of fit naturally into what I do now. Hmm. Do you ever feel like when you work with people who have kind of heavy issues that they're sharing with you and things like that, that it can kind of be an emotional drain on you? Or how do you compartmentalize that? Because I don't know, sometimes I feel like even just casually when somebody starts kind of unloading their personal problems to you, it can kind of be like, oh my gosh, it's just like so much. And you kind of hesitate reaching back out and things like that. I've definitely had those types of relationships before. So how do you compartmentalize that? You know, this might sound weird, but it actually energizes me uh, because I'm not focusing on what their challenges are and that it's like feeling like heavy. I'm focusing on how do we get you out of this? How do we work through this? So it's more of a challenge to overcome, which is really um, for many people, challenges when we overcome them is, is inspiring and it's exciting and motivating. So I look at it in that way, not to say that, you know, after a full day of coaching, I'm tired. Yes. But it's not like a, a draining, like I'm depleted in a negative way. It's more of, um, you know, if you, if you go to an amusement park and you've had a really fun day and a lot of excitement at the end of the day, you're tired, but it's not that it was a bad day. It was just a lot that you did. Right. So it's kind of in that regard, like, um, not that I look at mom's challenges as fun and exciting and I'm Mm -hmm. happy they have them, but it's just, it's fun and encouraging to help them and help them work through these things. And, and I don't always have the answer for them, but I have a way and I have resources and people to talk to to help them figure out where they need to go. I can't help them. So I just find it really, yeah, energizing and and uplifting and and exciting to help them. I love that perspective so much. And I think we can all choose kind of how we frame the same situation. You know, you can always frame things in more of a negative or positive, like, oh, these problems are also depleting and I'm drained and more, you know, negativity and stuff. Or I'm giving them resources. I'm providing them hope. I'm like, yeah, that'll light you on fire. And for our kids, you know, demanding, you know, more food or whatever, like we can totally drag our feet about, like, I always joke, like if somebody told me I couldn't have ice in my water, I'd be like, what the heck? Like I can get my own ice, right? But if my kids are like, oh, I want ice in my water. I'm like, seriously, like just drink the water. Like I don't want to take the extra step. But if someone deprived me of ice, I'd be like, this is terrible, right? So it's just a matter of putting yourself in other people's shoes and offering them the same luxuries of life that you would want to receive, (laughs) right? And sometimes it's as simple as ice, even if it feels like an inconvenience to us. Hey everyone, I know that you are loving my conversation with Natalie, but I wanted to thank a show sponsor and that is Literati Books. So Literati is a subscription book club for your kids. makes it easy to find unique and interesting books for your kids. You see, if you sign up for the subscription, Literati mails five teacher-approved books to your child every month So it's the book club subscription that teachers actually want to buy for their own kids. And as a former teacher myself, I can tell you the books that my kids have received from Literati are quality literature, not the junky books that they pick up at the book fair from Scholastic. These are great books. They give us new ideas for reading different types of genres that we wouldn't normally read and introduce us to new authors. It is so cool. So no more guessing or searching on reading the same books over and over. Every month your child will get a box of age-appropriate books mailed directly to them. And each month you simply 
pick out the books that you want from the box and return the rest, no questions asked. So first of all, the Literati book box that they get is so cute. Your child opens it up and it's all personalized. Mine had a bunch of cute uh, book jacket stickers with Austin's name on it so he could really personalize each book that he wanted to keep and his brothers would stay away from them, which he really loved. And it's just so much fun and there's always an additional little gift in there too. So if you're looking for a great gift idea, birthday, Christmas, or you're just looking for a new way to encourage your child to read, I think Literati Books is your subscription that you wanna get for your child. So if you are looking for something to get them off screens and excited about reading again, I want to give you a special offer. For a limited time, go to literatibooks.com and use promo code EMOMS for $20 off your first box. Plus, kids three and up get a special black light pen, which my kids have been loving for writing cute little messages to each other. It's just a lot of fun. This is the best offer anywhere. So to get it, go to literatibooks.com, promo code EMOMS for $20 off your first box, plus that free black light pen for kids three and up. Literatibooks.com, promo code EMOMS. Thanks so much to Literati for sponsoring the show, and I would love to hear if you give Literati Books a try. When you support them, you support the podcast. So thanks so much. All right, Natalie, so I'd love to hear from you. What was early motherhood like, and how did your anger journey begin? Yeah, so I, I married my high school sweetheart. We'll start there. And when we were dating in high school, I didn't actually know if I wanted kids. But as I got to know my now husband, I realized he needed kids in his life. And so I was like, you know, if I'm going to marry this guy, I really need to be on board with that. And I easily could have been a city girl, lived in New York City, been my own person, all of that stuff. So it was like, but I fell in love with this guy. So, right. <laughs> so I, I uh, we got married and I noticed I knew I was angry. Like I knew that there was, I'd yell at him. I'd scream at him. I'd throw things and he wasn't the yeller. So he wasn't reciprocating that he was more the internal. So he would close off and be quiet, which got me even more upset. Cause I'm like, why wouldn't you just yell back at me? You know, it feels so good just to get it out like that. Right. And, and I knew that there was a challenge with my anger, but I didn't, I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't even know that you could do anything. I thought this is just who I am. My parents were yellers. This is just how we do things. Right. So enter kids. The first, our first child, Enya, she's, um, she's 16. Now, uh, I started to notice the anger getting more intense with her as she was getting into really, you know, those ages where they start saying no, or you can't control them. They're throwing their food on the floor. And, and up into age two, I was really struggling. In fact, struggling so much that she would be throwing a two-year-old tantrum on the floor, kicking and screaming. And right on the other side of her was me. This is so embarrassing, but literally on the floor, kicking and screaming, crying too, just pulling my hair out. And so we're both like two-year-olds sitting on the floor, crying and screaming at each other. <laughs> We've and all I, been like, there. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I know this isn't right, but I don't know what to do about it, right? So I still, at that point, still recognizing there's a, a challenge, but I, I don't know what to do with it. It's probably just normal. It's probably just me. But I also knew that it was hurtful and it was scary. So fast forward a couple more years, and we bring our, our uh, second daughter home, 
And at that point, Enya loved having her baby sister, but she was struggling just in general. She was throwing epic tantrums and they would, I would just get more upset with her. And I started to feel like, okay, we need to do something for Enya. Enya needs help. So we took Enya to a therapist and we sat in her office. She observed Enya. She you know, was talking to us a bit. And then she had Enya leave the room and she looks at me and she says, your daughter is a perfectly normal kid, especially for her age. She's doing everything the way she should be. And, and I chuckle I'm like, well, yeah, but you're not at home with her. Like you don't see what's behind closed doors. And she's like, yeah, I understand that. So what I'd really like to see is you in my office, Natalie. And I was like, wait, what? Me? <laughs> like, but she's the one with the epic tantrums. And she's like, I understand, but you are the one who needs to be in here. We need to talk to you and work things out. And we're just like, as taken aback. And it was, you know, kind of frustrating and it made me upset. But really deep down inside, I felt like this relief that somebody was reaching out and saying, you need help. And I'm going to be that person to help you. Well, even, yeah. And even and, just acknowledging there could be a different way. Like you said, you didn't know it could be different for you. You wanted your child to yeah. change. You knew that you wanted, you know, that outcome. But to think there's a different, there's possibly different tools you can use and that you can change. Like we forget about that option yeah. sometimes. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was the turning point for me for sure. And so... Um, that was the start of my journey uh, working through destructive anger and burnout. Um, and from there on, it was, there was some years of therapy and then I, I still was yelling and screaming at the kids and still hurting the kids beyond therapy. So it was like, okay, I went through all this therapy, but I'm still getting angry. I don't understand. And it took more personal development and working through my own insecurities and getting closer. I have a very close relationship with God and working through those things to help me create basically what I use in my program now, understanding and, and how to work through these things, how we need to change our mindset and our beliefs to work through these challenges, to be the person that you want to be. Hmm. And so it was very um, interesting to see that journey. And then it led me into life coaching school. And that in itself, just going through that program was extremely huge for me um, in the mindset shift, like learning what that looked like. Hmm. Um, so it, yeah, it took my story and all of this personal work and development and culminated into what, what I do now in my practice. And moms will come in and they're like, well, I don't understand like eight weeks. I'm going to be better in eight weeks. I'm like, no, you're not going to not be angry in eight weeks, but you're going to have all of the things that I compiled over the last 15 years of experience and knowledge and learning and, and all of this. I'm going to teach you all of that in the next eight weeks and give you what it is you're lacking and not seeing to move forward into your journey and make things work better for you and your family. And I never guarantee that you're not going to get angry because here's the thing we have to understand about anger. I'm an advocate for anger. Anger is a good thing. 
anger is a healthy emotion and it's so in our culture we're so bombarded with this idea that we can't be angry we can't be sad we can't be in any type of negative emotion we need to go straight to joy and stay there and what i what i say is no we need to experience anger on a deep and understanding level to understand what it is why we're going there what's making us tick in that way and what we're going to do with the anger to make things better Mm. because when we experience anger any negative emotion on a deep level we are going to experience joy on a deeper level as well so just kind of this this circle this beautiful thing that works together and and we're supposed to get angry Mm. but the difference between anger the healthy emotion that we have and the destructive anger that i talk about is that we're using anger to hurt other people and ourselves instead of using that emotion to uh, be productive and work through an issue. Yeah, I see this in myself. I see this in so many conversations I have with other moms who feel like they know what they should be doing. They know how they should be talking and communicating effectively with their kids. They, They research the principles. They read the books. They follow the right people on Instagram. But there's a disconnect between consistency and implementing those things. And I think what you're alluding to is the fact that we can't simply just like flip a switch and become this kind of like puppet mom doing and saying the right things if there's still an underlying issue that is causing that destructive anger. Because we're always going to go back to that if there's still that thing festering beneath the surface. Is that, is that right? Yeah. There's beliefs and mindsets that you're, you are supporting and you don't know, you don't recognize them. You don't even know that half the time you don't even know you believe these things. Uh, One thing that I work on, I'll just like a little example is I'll work on what moms are saying. So I hate it when my husband leaves for the day and I'm stuck with the kids all day long. They drive me crazy. That's a normal thing. We hear it all the time. That's stuff we hear in passing and conversation. But what you are saying is what you are believing. And when you believe that, you will act to support that belief. So what is that mom doing? As soon as dad leaves, she's frustrated. She's like, ugh, kids just spilled the milk. And now there's a stain on the carpet from their juice over there. I'm just, this day just stinks. Now they're fighting and they just, I want to be over it. You know what I mean? The mm-hmm, self-talk mm-hmm. is just, it goes down and down and down. And then the kids are driving me crazy. I don't like them. I'm frustrated with them. Um, those are all mindset shifts or mindset places that we go and we're supporting our belief. We're, we're hating our life at that point. Hmm. And what that can look like in my life, what the destructive anger looked like, it was screaming. It was telling my kids they were terrible. It was belittling them. Um, it was slamming doors. It was throwing things, um, breaking things. I slammed one of my my oldest daughter. I slammed her door so bad one time, my mirror fell off and shattered in her room. Um, it was me going to my closet and shutting the door and bawling on the floor when all my kids were screaming and crying in their rooms. I could hear it coming through the heater vent in the floor. I hear them all crying because of the episode they just experienced from me. Hmm. And I had to shut myself away from them so I wouldn't hurt them, like kill them, literally. It was just, 
it was like, it was so scary and it was so intense. And I knew I had to work through that because that wasn't healthy anger. That was just destruction. Hmm. Yeah. And good thing you took in your child to get fixed (laughs) so that you could get to the rehab because I mean, how else do you know that you're the one that needs help? So how do you start? Because it's like you're saying, you don't know that there's these underlying things that you're just unaware of and you're just reacting out of those, you know, whether it's past things in your past or your conditioning or whatever it is. It doesn't even matter what the root is, but it matters that you acknowledge where it's coming from so that you can address it. So how do you identify things that you don't know exist? (laughs) That sounds really hard. Yeah, I know. Now, today, what I do and what I help other moms do is I help them, first of all, we start looking at the triggers. What's triggering you into this reaction? And I will literally have, I have a form that they have to fill out that it asks them different questions to help them from a bird's eye view when they're calm and they're not in that situation anymore. They go back and they write out how they felt, what was going on, what did they do, what was the result of their actions, what do they want it to look like next time this trigger shows up. So it's creating an awareness around why they're getting upset. What is it that's tipping them off? Um, And it's also, we'll take a brief history and and look into the past. What was it like as a child? What what was going on for you and what was hurting? Um, Or what happened as you were growing up that may have set up some of these patterns that we can work around and work through? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I feel like for me, I raise my voice when I feel like my kids aren't listening to my regular voice, <laughs> right? And so mm-hmm. I would have a hard time being like, oh, yeah, that's just a symptom of some some much bigger issue for me. No, I just feel like I want my kids to listen to me. So talk me through how you would help me if I came came to you and I feel like my kids are not listening and responding when I'm calm and everything and I want them to respond. And so I yell. How would you help me with so- that? Yeah, let's take a little look here at raising your voice and rage screaming, yelling, screaming, yelling, okay? So I think, personally, it's normal for all moms, every mom out there is going to raise her voice at one point or another, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes that's just the only way we're getting the attention, okay? Mm -hmm. So raising your voice can look different than screaming and yelling for different ways. Okay. Okay. If you're raising your voice and you're like, all right, we got to go. We got to get out of the house right now. Get your shoes on. Come on. I told you three times. Let's get out of here. Right? Mm -hmm. That is not destructive. That is simply saying, this is the facts. I've told you guys we need to go. We're late. Let's get out of here. Right? You're not mad at that point. You're, You're frustrated. Okay? And you're like, okay, we're serious. We got to get out of here. So you're serious mom voice, right? Sure. Screaming, raging, yelling. That would be, you kids are such idiots. Why won't you just listen to me? I don't understand what's wrong with you. Just get your freaking shoes on and get out the co- to the car right now. Okay. See the difference? Yes. Okay. So I need to give myself a little more grace for like what the spectrum of normal is. <laughs> Reasonable, right? Okay, so... And then let's go into what happens next. So you're in okay. the car, okay. right? You yes. raise your voice be like, hey, guys, 
sorry, I had to raise my voice, but here's the deal, you know, I had to ask you guys to do this, and, and you talk, you conversation, you know, what was going on, why didn't we listen, so, you know, how can we work through this next time so I actually don't have to get to the point of raising my voice, like, so that's a healthy conversation, right? I do that, I do that, that, Natalie, I do that, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. So the destructive <clears throat> where I went. So I was that other one. I was the one who was like, come on, you guys, what's wrong with you? Get, why won't you listen to me? You know, like treating them like they're idiots. Mm-hmm. So I would get in the car with them after just giving them that verbal abuse. And then I just keep going to town, mm-hmm. just telling them why they were terrible, why they were wrong, why they just wouldn't listen to me, why I'm so upset, why it's their fault, why they're the problem and keep going on. Uh, right. Yeah. So it wasn't building them up. It wasn't working through the challenge. Okay. It wasn't, <clears throat> do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So when you're stuff? communicating with them for the intent of having a different outcome next time, making sure everyone's on the same page, asking for forgiveness when you know you could have controlled your own temper a little bit better and resolving the issue so that next time maybe it can go a little better, that's productive. But then... Yep inviting shame into it where you want them to know just how horrible they are and how much they're ruining your life. That's, Mm -hmm. that's, yeah, that's going to have some long-term effects. That's tough. But even if destructive anger is a part of your life and your parenting right this second, if you're listening to this in the same way for Natalie, that it was something that she addressed in her past and continues to work on today, I would venture to say there are tools and there is hope when you're able to, really identify, okay, this is an issue for me and I'm going to work on this because you help people with this every day. So, okay. So how do you help women to get to the root of their anger? And so for, let's say the mom that is in the pattern of destructive anger, and that's just a part of their family culture right now. And maybe you feel like there is been some, some damage done with your kids. What would you say are the first steps to kind of changing the behavior on your own part and then kind of rebuilding the family culture with your kids. Absolutely. So a couple things. One is start keeping track of your triggers. Why are you getting upset? In fact, on my site, there is a free download and it's the trigger tracker and it helps you walk through those questions. And I told you, I take my clients through, um, what are you getting upset over and how do you want to work through that? So you start there to bring awareness to what's going on. Okay. Then, um, one of the really great pieces that is the most important piece. Okay. It's the recovery piece. So let's say I, I come home after we've been out to the doctor's appointment. Let's say we went to that and I had just like totally laid into the kids. Right. So I was in the destructive anger one, bring them home. I'm calm. I sit down, I look at them and go, you know what guys, that was really wrong of mom. How I talked to you. It was disrespectful. It was hurtful. Um, There's nothing wrong with you. It was absolutely me losing my self-control and wanting to make you feel bad because I was angry at you and that wasn't okay. So please forgive me for how I treated you. Uh, You're important and you are not um, your mistakes. So it's it's that recovery, just communicating. Mm -hmm. This is what this is what happened. I take responsibility for my actions, for what I did to hurt them. And then I make sure that they understand this isn't you. 
This is the circumstance. And it's really important for all of us to understand that we are not our mistakes. We are humans and we make mistakes, but our mistakes don't say who we are. There could be something where we have to work through what's going on in your heart. Who are you serving right now? Are you serving yourself? Or are you serving others? That's a heart matter that we want to discuss, but that doesn't make you a bad person because you didn't get your shoes on the first time I asked you to get your shoes on. Mm-hmm. So you have this communication, this recovery talk with them, and you get on their level. If you look in their eyes and you first acknowledge that you messed up and that you need forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And and then after all of that, I have moms who are like, well, yeah, but they still did this thing. I'm like, yeah, okay, I understand they did whatever it was that was disobedient, but you have to show them what taking responsibility for your actions looks like. Mm-hmm. So you're doing that first. You're working through the the pain of what happened and reconciling. And then you can go in and go, okay, so this is what happened. How are we going to work through this next time? Or this is why it's not okay to do this and work on the heart there at that point. So that's a really huge, important piece. Yeah. I always say you can't expect your kids to behave better than you do, you know, and going back to that image where you're throwing the tantrum alongside your two-year-old, like, they have no other modeling of healthy coping skills when they don't get their way or when they, you know, are trying to express themselves and, you know, they're feeling limited and powerless and everything. You're showing them exactly what their options are. And we've all been yeah. there. I have been there. But I love what you're saying about starting with forgiveness and starting with that repair and coming to them and acknowledging what you did wrong because then – you're providing a model for what's possible when they make a mistake and they know what those next steps looks like. If they never see those next steps of how to repair a, a mistake, where are they supposed to get this information? They don't come pre-programmed. And we assume they do sometimes. And I think that's really where moms miss the mark. Exactly. And that's that's exactly the challenge. And and I'm not a parenting expert, so I don't really speak too much into the parenting part of things. Mm-hmm. But as far as like how to, to you know, what, a, what to do for this consequence and this stuff. But what I do focus on is when you are changing your behavior and you're modeling to them, you are absolutely showing them how they're going to work through things when as they continue to grow. And that moment that your child comes to you and says, mommy, I'm so sorry. I screamed at you. I was wrong for doing that. Mm -hmm. You're like, Oh my goodness. They're catching this concept. Um, They're seeing me model this to them. And I get, you know, my clients will be like, Oh, I got upset again today. I'm like, that's awesome. How did you work through it? Mm. What did you do to work through it? You know, because, and I tell them every, after they learn all of this stuff, I tell them every single moment from here on out that you have an episode of destructive anger, it's just a moment to practice with them. And it's a moment to build upon your relationship instead of rip it apart. Because instead of telling them they're terrible kids and leaving at that, which is breaking down your relationship with your kids and it's turning them away from you. You're saying, hey, we all mess up, and this is how we work through it, and I'm sorry. And at that moment, you're inviting them to come to you and say, hey, mom, I messed up. Hmm. And they know that even if you get upset, they're going to have recovery, and you're going to work through it, and they can trust you. So you're building trust. You're, you're 
opening the doors of communication and you're strengthening your relationship with your kids, which ultimately gives you the joy that so many moms are missing in their, their motherhood journey. And I just want to share a piece because there's some moms out there who may be like, Oh, it's too late. Not mm, too late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's never too late to work through this with your kids. And I want to tell you my two year old who is now 16 mm-hmm. is a totally different person. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I know not just between the ages and stuff like that, but she's not who I thought she was going to be. And we, she knows our story. She knows the story. She's the one who got the worst of my anger, um, destructive anger. She knows what happened to her. She knows what I did to her. We've talked about it. And I've told her if, if as you're growing up, as you're becoming an adult, things ever come up that you feel like I need to talk to you about, that this hurt you come to me. I want to work through that with you. I want to always help you work through this. And She's a teenager. Is she like perfect? No, I don't even expect her to be perfect, but she's amazing. Like my relationship with her is so awesome. You know, people are like, I fear the teenagers. I'm like, I love the teenagers. They have been such a blessing. And I know that it's a blessing now because of the work that I put in to overcome this stuff and work through it and teach them how to work through it as well. It's just, it's been really, really cool. That's really encouraging because, yeah, I hear, I think teenagers get a bad rap a lot of times, but it's yes. really going to come down to not only who they become as teenagers, but who who we become as teenage parents, right? By the time that your kids are teenage years, we're kind of going to be held responsible for progressing to a certain level of, of parenting. Not that we're going to do it perfect and not that they're going to do their teenage years perfect, but that we are aware that you know communication and unconditional love and everything in those early years building those skills up can create really wonderful wonderful opportunities for great relationships as teenagers and I love how you said you don't want to avoid or squash feelings of anger necessarily but just view them as opportunities to practice and to really do things the right way and even if you don't just evaluating, okay, what could I do? What could I do differently? We're so quick to tell our kids what they should do differently next time. But thinking about what you should do differently next time is, is probably the best first step for, for most of us, for sure. So I have a question. Um, I know that, that you said that you're not a parenting expert or anything, but I have one particularly explosive child, my oldest. Um, what do you recommend for children, parenting children that are prone to anger and explosiveness and things like that. I mean, I bet you'd say, you know, model healthy habits and healthy communication and, and not exploding myself. Um, is there anything else that I can do to, to help them early on? Yeah, there's quite a few things. First okay. of all, can you tell me what age? He's nine. He's nine. Okay, uh-huh. so it's, it's kind of funny. I have noticed, this is just through working with clients and in my own experience. I just want to throw this out there for you, for your own understanding. I feel like ages 8 to 12 are one of the most difficult ages to parent. Okay. Because they are at 
this place where they're not yet a teenager and they're not, you know, they're coming out of this kid stage and they're trying desperately to find their voice. So I find that this age is a little bit more explosive. Okay. Now, I don't know what his history is and if he's been this way his whole life. That's that's a different topic. But I just want to throw that out there for any moms who are in that age right now. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. Because there, there is more of a power struggle in that age because – they are physically, intellectually, mentally, you know, all more capable, but yeah. yet there's still yeah. limitations because they are still young and formative. And so yeah. just because they think something or want something or have an opinion about something, they're not always going to be able to act upon using that power to get exactly what they want. And so I think that's where the issue comes in. That's that's the rub, right? They, they're very aware yeah, of what they so want. They just can't always get what they want. They, yeah. Yeah, they're very, they're very insistent that they know mm-hmm. what, what's what. Yes. And uh, so my first piece of advice is just for your own understanding, it's helpful to recognize the age and development your child is in. So I, I want to encourage, and I do encourage my clients, um, I even have some books and stuff I'll suggest, but I encourage them to read about the age and stage that your child is in because when you recognize what they're doing is part of normal healthy development it's easier to cope with it's not you taking insecurities like what have I done to my child it's oh this is normal behavior for this age great so that's tip. first piece of great advice. tip great second now we have to help them work through it right so what I suggest is a couple things first of all acknowledge and validate that they're upset we all need this in our life. I give this to my moms that I work with. It's okay that you're upset right now. It's okay that you feel that way. There's nothing wrong with feeling the emotions that you have and help your kids put words to it. Um, what does it feel like right now? I had a client yesterday who's like, my child came and said that they felt, uh, theory, or I think it was on fire or something like that. It was like, they put this, this on fire feeling um, to the feeling that they had going on inside. And I was like, that's fantastic. Let's put words to how we're feeling so we can understand and, and acknowledge that we're upset because it's okay. That's normal. So you help them, you validate them and doing that will start to help them calm down a little bit. Um, if they're really out of sorts, my best, best advice is just make sure they're in a safe place and let them work it out they have to scream if they have to cry um you tell them you know what if that's what you need to do right now that's okay mm-hmm. when you are calmed down we'll talk about what's going on mm-hmm. um so you just let them be in their space let them calm down and when you do that then you're validating too you're, you're validating yourself you're making yourself feel better like you're giving them that option to calm down and so because you gave that to them it doesn't make you as upset because you're not trying to make them stop you're saying it's okay to be that way so that calms you down sure. and then once they're calm you do you talk to them about what they're feeling that they're normal to feel that way it's okay to feel that way validate that they're feeling something and then when they're they're calm to the point where they can talk to you and and really work through the situation, then you go into what is going on, why they're feeling that way, um, what we need to do differently, and be productive about it, right? Sure. And if there's a consequence, yeah, of course, you need to work through a consequence, but let's not try to make a consequence on top of 
them yeah. trying to understand how they're feeling in the moment. Sure, yeah. Sometimes that's punishment enough for them to, you know. And, 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 and if it's really not something they're trying to actively misbehave or hurt somebody or things like that, a lot of times the consequence is not appropriate. The, the consequence should be helping them to develop better understanding and, and having that conversation. It, a consequence doesn't just have to be negative. The other thing I would say is when I do let him just kind of feel the feelings and do the thing, I'll say, do you want me to stay in the room with you or do you want me to go and you can come to me when you're ready? Because I often try and put myself in my kids' shoes and think, you know, sometimes when I'm really upset, I want my husband to hold me. And sometimes when I'm really upset, I want to be left alone. And it's hard to predict how, which one I'm going to feel at any given time. And so not, but not feeling abandoned in my feelings, if I really do want that presence of somebody, it's really a great offering to feel like you're supported in your emotion, even when you don't know what to do, to do with it. And so sometimes I'll say, leave, leave, leave. And, and I'll leave. I'll say, okay, I'll be in my room when you're ready. And then he'll come to me when I'm ready. And sometimes yeah. he is wanting that engagement and and I can be there. I'm not going to let him hurt me or anything like that. But I don't want to leave him alone with the feelings when he doesn't know what to do with them. I want to continue to feel like he's supported where he's at. And so I think just asking yeah. them. And, you know, sometimes they're going to, that's going to, you know, erupt a whole new thing like, get out of my room and, you know then get out of the room, right? And, and then you just say, I'll be in my room and you can come to me when you're ready. And that's fine. But I, I feel like that's worked really well with him so he didn't feel feel abandoned or like shunned because every time he's angry, he he's like discarded to the dark place. You know what I mean? I, I felt that way before in my life and it does not feel good. Absolutely. And something else I'd like to speak into is for two things. One is the empathy part and the other thing is um, toddlers. When you're working with little kids through this stuff, mm-hmm. one of the things that I would do with my youngest is, because I'd gotten to a better point by the time I'd had her, um, she would throw epic little tantrums and stuff. So what I would do is sit on the floor in her room, and I would not acknowledge her, her tantrum, but I would acknowledge her and let her know, I'm here when you're done throwing a fit. We'll talk about it. So uh, so she would dance around me in this fit, right? Crying, flam- like hitting the floor, kicking, whatever. Um, I wouldn't let her hurt me. I would, you know, keep her from hitting me or something. But I would just let her know, I, like you were saying, but this is, I'm just going to this, the younger age level. Just let her know I'm here. Mm. And so she would finally get to a point where, okay, she's calm. Now I'm going to pick her up put her in my lap, give her a hug and talk to her about the feelings that she's having mm. and discuss again, um, the consequence of behavior or why she's upset or, you know, and I know at some point there's, they're so young that it might be difficult to really work through all of those instances, but really in, in that first few instances that the young, young years, you're helping them see that it's okay to be upset yeah, and that you're not going to make them feel terrible for feeling upset. You're going to help them work through it. Mm. And then you can continue working through just like, um, the consequences and stuff. Yeah. The other piece was the empathy piece and you've said it so many times and I just really like this to, to be really understood empathy. Not everybody understands what empathy is. 
So empathy is literally you um, in your mind putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. Like that's exactly what empathy is. It's you're putting your kid's shoes on and you're trying to understand why are they upset right now? Why are they feeling what they're feeling? Um, Are they having a bad day? Or, you know, have they been dealing with mom's been cranky all morning and they have to deal with you? So empathy is so important and it's so valuable and it's what your kids ultimately need in order to grow up to be well-adjusted, healthy adults. Mm. So important. Right. I, I love that. And really, the earlier that we can instill that in them, the better. And I mean, you I'm sure you know, as I do plenty of adults that never really quite got that memo, you know, and you can tell as adults, like they're, they can't really see things from other people's perspectives and it doesn't serve people very well to not be able to do that. So, but it's never too late. Like we're saying in all these things, this has been such a great conversation. Just a disclaimer to anybody who's, you know, trying to work through anger or is acknowledging maybe even for the first time that there's another way um, if you're going through anger um, issues, especially destructive anger, like what we're talking about, it's not a switch that you flip. You're never going to be perfect. It's still something that I practice daily. And like we said, there's opportunities every single day to, to practice the behaviors and the communication that we know will serve our families the best way and everything. But we just give one final message to the mom listening who feels either guilt about destructive anger in the past and maybe the shame that she's put on her kids or the way she's behaved in the past or she's in that spot right now and is acknowledging she wants it to be different. Yeah, sure. It's really important if you're sitting out there afraid to talk to somebody because you're afraid maybe your kids are going to be taken away from you or nobody's going to understand. Many women that come to me, their husbands don't even know how bad it is at home when their husbands are gone. Mm -hmm. Um, They're just afraid and they feel ashamed and they don't know what to do. And in that case, reach out to somebody that you trust. Reach out to someone that you can talk to who you know will help you find what you need to to work through that it's really important that you don't just stay there. That's only going to hurt you and your kids um, in the long run. So reach out for help. There is help out there. You're not alone and there's nothing wrong with you. We're just going to help you work through those things that will get you to a place of actually enjoying your motherhood journey and creating strong relationships with your kids. I love um, it. Hey, yeah. this morning... I had to work through the recovery piece with my kids because I've been snippy with them the last couple of days, just snippy. But I was like, hey, you guys, I'm sorry. Mom has been cranky. Um, mm. And work through that exact piece with, with the kids that, that I told you about earlier. And nobody's perfect, and we have to work through this stuff. And, and it's, it's healthy, and it's not too late. And communication is absolutely the most important piece to all of this. You talk to your kids you tell them you're getting upset. You tell them when you're upset. Communicate with them about them being upset. Um, you can't talk too much to your kids. Yeah, I love that so much. And like you said, there is resources and, and help available, and you might be that resource for people. So if, if they feel like, yeah, they want to find out more, they want to see what you have to offer um, in terms of helping with, with anger and things like that, where can they find you, Natalie? Sure, I'm at nataliehickson.com. And I'm also over at Facebook and Instagram, 
just at Natalie Hickson. Perfect. Well, I always ask my guests one final question, and it is this. It's the mission of the podcast. I really want to help all women and mothers especially really acknowledge how extraordinary they truly are just because of who they were born to be. And when we can acknowledge what makes us extraordinary, we can do so much more with the gifts we've been given. So Natalie, for you, I would love to know, what do you think it is that makes you extraordinary? That's a big question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I've always said my sole purpose in life is to give other people hope. I know I'm not perfect. I don't know it all. And uh, I think it's just knowing that I'm imperfect and always walking on a journey to become better and, and help others know that they're okay and they're normal and they're not alone. Hmm. So empathy, <laughs> you're naturally empathy. wired with that empathy like we were talking about. Yeah. If you do the Enneagram, I'm a number two. I'm a helper. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Oh, Natalie, this has been so great. I just really appreciate your vulnerability and willingness to share your own story for the sake of empowering and having empathy towards other people that maybe are, you know, walking the same path as you and seeing you a little bit ahead down that road hopefully can give them so much hope that if you're struggling right now, it doesn't always have to be this way. And there's hope and there's help and you're certainly not alone. So thanks so much for sharing, Natalie. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. I know as a recovering yeller myself, like I've said many, many times on this podcast, anger and having a lack of patience with the kids and the beings in this world that you love the most can be such a source of shame for moms. And I hope that through this episode, you have felt a little less alone in your struggle I've talked to a lot of moms on the show and I have a lot of mom friends in real life and this is a common struggle for moms and it does not make you a less wonderful, extraordinary mom if this is something you struggle with. But I hope that after this episode, you've identified a few ways that you can help work through your anger so that you don't need to fall prey to those reflexes. It is simply a bad habit or a tendency that we choose to give into, and you can choose to give into it or not. Are we going to be 100% perfect on it? No. But if we can make little strides towards being more patient, to exercising more rational, calm, effective, healthy behavior when we are upset, not only will we be happier, but we're modeling more healthy happy behavior for our kids when they're angry. So thank you so much to Natalie for sharing her own journey and the tools that she uses to coach other women. I'm linking to everywhere you can find Natalie over on our website at extraordinarymomspodcast.com. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at jessicadalquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I am so grateful you're here today. I know that if you're listening to mom podcasts about other extraordinary women and you're taking in information about, you know, how to be inspired and how to be a more extraordinary person and mom, you are doing a great job already. So I don't want you to doubt yourself or feel like, well, they have it more together than I do or anything like that. No, 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 no. This is a place where you can feel validated and a little less alone. And if you think you know somebody that could use this show, would you share it with them personally or share it on your social media? 
the more we can get the word out about Extraordinary Moms, the more moms can be helped and inspired by these incredible women that come on every week. So thanks for tuning into the podcast today. Make sure to follow me at JessicaDalkwas3. I think I already said that, but yeah, make sure you're following me. And we will see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.